is The Guardian. I'm Laura Murphy-Oates, coming to you from Gadigal Land, and this is The Full Story. A calculated breach of trust. That's how a Senate committee described the leaking of confidential government information by PwC to help its clients avoid tax. A leak that made the consulting firm millions of dollars. This scandal has lifted the veil on what some have described as an all-too-cosy relationship between the government and the big four consulting firms. In recent weeks, the scandal has shifted focus to political donations, with the big four firms giving millions of dollars in benefits to political parties over the past 10 years, a practice that some in Parliament say should be banned. Today, PwC and the problem with political donations. It's Monday, the 17th of July. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. So, Henry, last time we spoke at the end of May, you outlined how PwC had engaged in what we now know was a calculated breach of trust. They used confidential government information to help clients avoid paying tax in Australia. We also spoke about how this all came to light and and kind of the beginning of the fallout. What has happened since then? Well, a lot's happened since then. Henry Bello is a reporter for Guardian Australia. And it's worth just going back to the very start of this scandal. PwC, a calculated breach of trust. And remembering that PwC tried to claim that this was the work of one bad apple. That inside information was used by the firm to devise ways to dodge the new laws. Advice which was then sold to deep-pocketed clients. But now we've got a situation where 12 partners have been forced out of the firm. Yeah, PwC is getting its house in order. It's in total damage control, knowing its reputation has been smeared over the tax league scandal. We've got multiple parliamentary investigations. PwC have let uh, their desire for money trump their ethics. This scandal has been referred to the federal police. Uh, yesterday we received a report of crime from Treasury. It, it relates to, in general terms, the unauthorised disclosure of information. It's also been referred to a new National Anti-Corruption Commission. And then we've seen some really big structural changes in the business as well. So PwC's brand, its reputation, has been so badly damaged that it's sold its entire government services division for $1. It's a huge loss and it's designed to try and stop the rot because the government is increasingly unwilling to give this business new contracts. It's really significant because government work is a responsible for about 20% of PwC's overall revenue. And then just this week, we've also seen PwC really interestingly announce that they're going to stop donating to political parties, which has really sparked this broader debate about how these businesses work. Right. I want to come back to some of these big structural changes in a moment, but let's dig into political donations. How long have PwC and other consulting firms who work for the government also been donating money to political parties? 
This has been going on for a long time and it's increasingly common and it's worth a lot of money. So if you look at just last financial year, PwC donated almost a quarter of a million dollars to state and federal political parties split pretty much evenly between them. But the thing to really understand here is this isn't PwC giving cash to these political parties so that they can go and spend it however they want. And that's important because doing that doesn't actually give PwC any advantage. What they're doing here is they're contributing things like fundraising events or running network sessions. They're providing catering. Sometimes they're even allowing the government to use their own office facilities. So the value of that over one year for PwC was worth almost a quarter of a million dollars. Right. It's not a check for you know, a quarter of a million dollars. It's a quarter of a million dollars in office space and other things like that, essentially. Yeah. And that's something that they're really keen to stress. This isn't money for free. These these aren't financial contributions just for charity's sake. These are cutthroat businesses. Everything they do has a strategic purpose. And what these contributions do is they bring consultants into closer contact with political operatives. So they build key relationships over time. And these are the type of relationships with people that could later go on to be in positions of power or also positions of government. And the other important thing to say here is it's not just PwC that's doing this. Analysis from the Centre for Public Integrity shows that the big four consultancy firms, so that's PwC, Deloitte, Ernst & Young, as well as KPMG, collectively, they donated about $4.3 million to Labor and the Coalition over the past decade. And then there's this staggering stat that goes with that. During that same decade, the value of government work that's been given to those four firms has increased by 400%. Right. So these firms donate millions of dollars. And in the same time period, they get back lots more government work. Have these political donations been used by PwC and the other consulting firms to win government contracts? Well, if you ask people like Transparency International, they'd say that big businesses often bankroll political parties' election campaigns in exchange for access, in exchange for cosy relationships is how they put it, and favourable treatment, and that clearly what this is showing is a conflict of interest. We've also heard from one of the senators who's really been key in prosecuting this issue, the Green Senator Barbara Pocock. She puts it quite bluntly and says that accepting money from a business and then awarding them a contract is the very definition of a conflict of interest. Does the government accept that there are ethical problems with taking these donations from companies who are vying for their work? Well, to start with, they're very clear that these donations are legal, that no laws are being broken, and that's certainly true. The entire reason we know about this is because they've been disclosed. Mm. One of the interesting things we've heard from the finance minister, Katie Gallagher, is she's trying to paint a distinction between the government, the public service and political parties. Will you stop taking donations, though, from consulting companies? Well, that I mean, that is not a matter for me as the finance minister. But what do you think? I, I think, I think... But Isn't it a conflict of interest, given they have so much to gain from these government contracts? Wouldn't it be better to, to put a line in the sand and say, we won't take money from these consultancy firms? 
Well, that's a matter for the party organised or political party organisations. My focus as Minister for Finance is on um, making sure that our procurement processes, and I would say politicians do not determine the awarding of contracts. Um, that that is not how it happens, and so um, I think there is. An- I mean, what do you make of that argument, Henry? That that money wouldn't necessarily influence the awarding of a contract because there's so many other players involved in the awarding of that contract. It's an interesting decision and technically she might be correct in one sense. If you look at it in a very narrow technical point, yes, the person who is running the finances for the Labor Party doesn't have any oversight of whether PwC is awarded a certain contract. But surely as an organisation, if you're cognizant of the fact that a quarter of a million dollars is coming in from this, that has some influence. If not, then why would you be donating it in the first place? So the government says this isn't a conflict, but PwC has been doing some soul searching. What do they have to say about it? Yeah, this has been the really interesting change from PwC because for many years they've been under pressure for these donations and they've said, no, this is what a legitimate business does. It's all within the rules. But because of the attention that this scandal has brought onto them, they've made a change in that they've actually admitted that there is a perceived conflict of interest risk here. So we heard from the acting CEO, Kristen Stubbins, who said that although we've taken the utmost care to ensure our political donations do not create any real or perceived conflicts of interest, we recognise that doing away with political donations is the best way of ensuring the highest standards of governments. So what they've actually admitted there is the previous system of donating to these political parties was not the highest standard of governance, which by implication means that many of our other big firms, KPMG, Deloitte, Ernst & Young, might not be meeting the standard that PwC have now met, albeit being forced to make. Right. What are these other big consulting firms doing about this? Are they also looking to end political donations? Well, I've asked the other so-called big four consultancy firms whether they'll follow PwC's lead and and stop making political donations. So far, we've heard from KPMG and Deloitte, who also made about a quarter of a million dollar donations last financial year. They're going to continue doing this. They say that they regularly assess their strategy about donations, but so far they feel that what they're doing is legitimate because they're providing what they see as services to government, which facilitate a conversation which is important, and but it also has some strategic benefit for them, right? Because why would they be otherwise doing it? So is their argument that they need to continue political donations because, you know, they're essentially creating forums of discussion where important people have important conversations about business? Is that fair to say? Yeah, I, I think that is fair to say that that's the crux of their argument. Yeah. Henry, if PwC says ending political donations is needed to ensure the higher standards of governance, why is this something that's happening now only after a really big scandal? And why has it been initiated by PwC themselves? Surely this is something that the government should have looked at and should have acted on years ago. Yeah, it's a really good point because what PwC is admitting here is that it's been forced to make a change that's actually in the public interest. They've admitted that political donations were ultimately detrimental to the public interest. But the problem is it took a huge scandal for us to get to this point. Mm. And what they've actually done here is beyond what the government wants. The government 
is considering parliamentary inquiries into political donations. It wants to make changes. It's got legislation to do that. But the general thrust of that is capping the amount of donations that can be made and improving transparency. They don't actually want these consultancy firms to stop making donations. You can see why politicians from the two major parties might not want to speak too loudly about political donations. Do you think it's likely that we'll ever see momentum to truly end these types of political donations? Well, it's interesting because sometimes it's big scandals that prompt action and regulation and change. When you've got a lot of money flowing, there is, I guess, a disincentive to act quickly and stop that money coming through. But a parallel you could consider is about foreign donations. Remember, it wasn't that long that political parties could accept financial contributions from international actors. And then we had huge scandals in Australian politics that stopped that happening. There is a potential that what's happening here with PwC could lead to that happening. Mm. There's no sign of that at the moment, but certainly the debate is there. Next, the threat of criminal convictions and could a single dollar win back trust in PwC? Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Henry, the PwC scandal has been referred to the police. What consequences could we see for those that are allegedly responsible for leaking government secrets? I think it's still probably too early to say exactly what the consequences are, but we need to be clear about the 12 people who've exited the firm. Some of the people that were told to go, they were told to go because they didn't live up to the expectations that were required of them in managing risk. And then there were some people that they said, actually, you were directly involved in this. So they're the people that could potentially be caught up in any police investigation or any potential investigation by the Corruption Commission. We don't have any confirmation that that's going on, but but it is a, a possibility. So there's a long way to go. And the thing to remember here is that all of this happened in 2015. It's been a long time to get to here. We may need to be patient to wait to find out what the true consequences of this are. Many people want answers right now. They might not get them. Henry, as you mentioned, PwC is also divesting itself of government business and they're doing so by selling off an arm of their business for just $1. What is this and how is it supposed to work? So the first thing to say is that this transaction shows just how damaging this scandal has been to PwC. They've had this multi-million dollar business that has essentially been reduced to being worthless because of what has has come out into the public sphere. So or nearly worthless, you know, a dollar is a yeah, dollar. Yeah, well, <laughs> it doesn't get you very far, does it? What they're, what they're essentially doing is they're spinning off a new company out of this. So they'll sell that division of their business to a private equity investor called Allegro Funds. They're specialists in rebuilding businesses. So if they see a business that's really struggling and is on the brink of collapse, they get in there, they pick it up cheap, they turn it around 
around, get it back up to value, then they spin it, they take that money, they move on, they look for a new business that's struggling. That's kind of like flipping a house, essentially. Yeah, pretty much. But it's um, you you don't find many houses for one dollar. So what this new company will be, it's going to have a new name, but importantly, it's going to have the same staff that PwC had. So. What we know is about 130 partners and more than 1,500 staff are going to be transferred over it. So the people that are going to be bidding for new government work in this new company are the same people who were working at PwC. And that has raised a few eyebrows. Right. You can see how it would lead to accusations of window dressing. If you have all of the same staff doing the same work, but the name on the business card changes, essentially. How are they addressing this type of concern? PwC have said, we'll be doing everything we possibly can to make sure that people who were implicated in this scandal don't go across to this new business. It is important that they do this because they need to try and protect the reputation of this new spin-off to make sure that it can get money coming in. Now, in terms of flipping the house, PwC have said that they're not going to benefit financially from this in any way, that they're doing this because they want to protect the jobs of their staff. And that's actually a really important point because we've got to remember there are thousands of people who work at PwC. Many of them do very important work and they act honestly and with integrity, but it's their jobs that are on the line because of what a few bad actors have done with this scandal. Mm. The other thing to consider here is that just starting a new company with the same staff is probably not going to satisfy a lot of people, including the Labor Senator Deborah O'Neill, who says there actually needs to be some real structural changes and a cultural transformation within the firm to make sure that this doesn't happen again. So PwC has broken up their business to reduce this conflict of interest risk, essentially, so that government work happens over here and working for private industry happens over there. What about the other big three firms? Surely there's still a big risk there for these conflicts of interest. So it's a huge risk. And the other three firms have been looking at what's happening at PwC and making sure that nothing like that is happening in their own businesses. And one example of that is KPMG, um, which for a long time has been helping the government conduct safety and quality audits for aged care facilities. But at the same time, they have a separate division where they've been saying online that they're charging businesses for advice on how to pass those same accreditation tests. The ones that they run, essentially. Exactly. So helping the government audit people and then helping people pass that audit. Mm. Now, that's what their website was advertising to people. They launched an investigation to make sure that everything was above board. They advised the Senate very recently that they didn't think there was any conflicts of interest, but they've changed their language on the website to make it very clear and are being much more cautious in their language and and in terms of what they're offering to businesses. Right, but no big breakup of the company as we've seen with PwC. Not so far, no, and that's not surprising. Why would a company that's making a lot of money change its structure unless it's compelled to either by a scandal or by regulation? Hmm. Is that something the government would or could consider either breaking up the other big three consulting firms in a similar manner to PwC or just ending their relationship with these firms altogether, cutting them off from government work? Not in the short term, no, is is the short answer because there needs to be long-term investment in the skills and capability of the public service so that department managers are, are more inclined to keep this work within government rather than outsourcing it. 
It's also going to be expensive. One reason consultants are popular is that in the short term, they're cheaper. But one thing to remember is that for a long period of time, we've known that the public, I guess, have a, a declining level of trust in how government operates. But what this scandal with PwC has done is it's allowed people to actually see how the day-to-day operations of government works. And so the government now has an opportunity to make some lasting change into how the public service works because they want to make sure that their own reputation doesn't suffer as a result of this. So we might be seeing the start of a broader rethink. People have been talking for a long time about splitting up these companies. It was something that the former chair of the ACCC, Alan Fells, talked about. Now, the government hasn't done that. They haven't taken that on. But one result of what's happened here is PwC have effectively done that to themselves. Mm. If that can be established as a better way for these consultancy firms to operate in the long term, then maybe the government would be more inclined to revisit that legislation. I think if you take a really blue sky look at what's happened here, we may actually come out of it with some arrangements that are more in the public interest than what we had previously. Thanks, mate. Thank you. Bye. See ya. That was Henry Bellow, a reporter at Guardian Australia. Do check out his latest reporting on PwC, including a piece about another conflict of interest breach that PwC admitted to last week. We yet to find out many details about that breach, but the hearings for the Federal Senate inquiry into consulting services resumes this week, and you can find out the latest on that at theguardian.com. This episode was produced by me and Joe Koning, who also created our theme music. Sound design and mixing by James Milson. The executive producer of Full Story is Hannah Parks. I'm Laura Mephiotes. Catch you tomorrow. Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.